Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So what's the first step? What's the first piece towards trusting in the Lord? What sets Christians apart in the society that we live in? What makes you different? If Jesus says that we are the salt of the earth, we are the light of the earth, what, what makes us different? What does it mean to make lifestyle changes that affect the very way we look at ourselves, our world, the people around us, our behaviors, our attitudes, and our own language? So some of the things they think about as they think about trusting trusting the Lord and, and having a ruthless trust, a trust that says, the Lord, I'll cling to you in all things, not just the easy things, but I'll trust you for all those things. Perhaps the word of the Lord from Philippians chapter 3 is a, is a part of that this morning. Kathy read these words, and I'd like to capture just a few of them to meditate on this morning. Paul writes, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to subdue everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm in the Lord. Paul's inviting the Philippian Christians to put their trust in the Lord Jesus. Not just for the simple, wonderful things of food and bread, but of the big things of life and death. He says, you're not citizens of the world like everybody else is. You've got a higher calling. Interesting to think about. We live in a time of great polarization. We live in a time of tribalism. And not only are the tribes not really friendly to one another, I'm almost certain that the tribes don't even speak the same language anymore. Any sort of podcast on politics, any sort of economic podcast, anything that you see on the 24-hour news cycle, you look and you think, man, if someone would just sit down and relax and listen, and the other person would sit down and relax and listen, maybe the tribes, the groups, the people... Maybe they could find a way to remove the anxiety and the angst that comes between people. Perhaps maybe if we think a little bit more about gratitude and the things for which we are grateful, then maybe some of that polarity would die down and things would mellow out just a a little bit Because in gratitude, we are reminded that our citizenship is in heaven and that you and me as brothers and sisters in Christ are tied to a God who is unwavering, unyielding, and unbounded by the here and now. Our lives are bigger than we think sometimes. This morning is a great opportunity to meditate on those things for which you are grateful. And trust in God in a different way, having spent an hour at St. John's this morning, that your heart would be turned towards gratitude rather than 
consumption. Consumption's an easy sell. We see consumption absolutely everywhere we go. We have so much. There's not a lot of us that ate our last cracker and had a little water on our way to church this morning. As a matter of fact, we're able to go in probably and get a Starbucks cup of coffee for $7 and maybe a little one of their Gouda bacon things, which of course are the best ones, for another $4. Hey, you walk out of Starbucks for 12 bucks and you feel like you hung the moon. Life's good. It'll be interesting. At the end of the month, Pastor Trevor is going to Kenya. And he's flying on his own from here to Amsterdam. He's never been in an international airport before. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> and I'm not sure what he thinks the Nairobi airport is like, but my sense is he thinks the Nairobi airport's kind of like LAX, except in Nairobi. And any of you who've flown into a little third country airport, you know that there's two or three flights out of there every day, and it's a whole different thing. I'm excited for what that will do to his heart. I'm excited for where he will go and the way he will look at what he has and what we have in our congregation in a new light, in a new context, because we have so much. And in Orange County, we have a culture of more. My father-in-law came out right after the pandemic as things were mellowing out, and he said, the one thing I noticed as I walked through your neighborhood, Tim, is how many Teslas are in your neighborhood. And I never even thought about that before. I'm like, well, doesn't everybody drive Teslas everywhere? No. It's Orange County. We have a culture of more, more stuff, better stuff, storing old stuff. If I had an extra of dollars $80,000, $100,000, I would buy rental places so people could rent from me to store their stuff. It's the biggest scam in the history of the world. But the elusive piece for us is not gathering more things or revolving life around purchasing and possessing. Perhaps the elusive things for you and me who live here and now in Orange County is contentment, that there's a deep-seated sense of gratitude for what the Lord has provided and given to us. We have so much, and yet sometimes taking time to acknowledge the, the giver, sometimes taking the time to acknowledge the giver takes a beating because we wire ourselves to go and live and act so quickly we purposely built back these Sunday mornings in a way that was a little more mellow than it was before, not just for the staff, but for you. So then instead of saying, well, it's quarter to 9.30, it's 9.15 or whatever, we got to get moving because Klinkenberg's got church at 9.30 and gratitude takes time. Gratitude takes intentionality. It, it takes a moment for a heart to reset on consumption, perhaps one of the little ways to introduce gratitude in your family is to pray before your meals. We were able to sing this morning, Jesus loves me, this I know. Carissa's ready to play that because we have kindergartners singing this morning. And kindergartners love Wednesday. Do you know why? You know why Wednesday's a great day. Why? It's pizza day. Chapel too, but pizza, a good answer. That's our compromise right there. That's pretty good. Give yourself a check. That's awesome. It's pizza day. 
And for my message at 1030, I've got a big piece of, a big piece, a big picture of pizza. And those kids are going to go, pizza day. They're grateful for that. We take a moment to pray over our lunch. Now, it's only two kinds of pizza. It's not like they have a smorgasbord of pizza. There's pepperoni and cheese. And the salad only has ranch. But you'd think that we're providing those children the very best of the Ritz-Carlton. Every Wednesday, there's prayer and praise for pizza. In our preschool, we eat our snacks or our lunch, and we acknowledge the Lord, the giver of everything we have. And it's acknowledgement that our citizenship is in heaven, that there's something infinitely bigger and infinitely greater that provides for us, and that we can put our trust in God. In my family, we pray that simple prayer, come Lord Jesus, be our guest, and let these gifts to us be blessed. Amen. A simple acknowledgement of the provision of the Creator for our family in that meal. Whether it's pizza, grilled cheese sandwiches, crackers and cheese, or prime rib with Yorkshire pudding. Either way, all inclusive in prayer towards the Creator with grateful spirits. Our citizenship is in heaven and our lives aren't measured by more. There's a bunch of reasons why being an atheist would be a bad thing. Matter of fact, I don't know any atheists who are happy. I, I, don't, I don't know a one who would come up to me and say, this is the greatest day in the history of the world. Atheists tend to be kind of negative. I don't know if you've ever met them. Agnostics are a little better, but atheists are so down. Well, you know, we're all ending up like, dude, just relax. You're so intense. It must be very difficult to be an atheist or a pagan when you have something for which to be grateful. If you're an atheist, where do you turn? This is great. This dinner is the best dinner I've ever had, says the atheist to whom? Well, I'm really grateful for the scientific method and the scientific theory and through the course of evolution, this cow was bred and made to provide this beautiful piece of prime rib of which I'm going to have now. But I'm not grateful. I just get it. Not us. Our citizenship is not on earth. Our citizenship is in heaven. For you and me, we trust the Lord. We put our lives in His hands. He's the one who provides. He's the one who gives house and home and food and cattle and wife and children. All those marvelous things of life remind us that God knows that He loves us and cares for us. That if he loves the sparrows and the birds of the air, if he knows how much or how little hair is on your head, how much more does he care for us and provide for us day to day? God our Father provides for us in the simple and in the complicated, in the daily and in the extraordinary. Our God loves us with that everlasting love we are not citizens of here and now, so we are not tied to stuff and things the way an atheist or a pagan is. Rather, we are grateful for those pieces of life and turn our hearts in trust toward the Lord, to the one who created everything. What a marvelous piece it is in the meaning of the article of the, the, the meaning of the first article of the Apostles' Creed. And we say, I believe that God has created me and all that exists. 
God gave us his son. He gave us Jesus. He gave us the one in whom we put our trust for our souls and our salvation. God sent Jesus to redeem us and to redeem the world. And Lent is that season where we kind of turn away from all which is puffy and cushy and convenient. And we think a little bit about trials and tribulations and hardship. All pointing us to Jesus. All pointing us to the cross. For in, God, for in Jesus, our lives have been redeemed. Jesus' mission was to seek and to save the lost, to seek and to save you and me, and that Jesus is the one who would rather die for us than live without us. He's the one to whom we turn for forgiveness. He's the one to whom we turn for a right relationship with God. He's the one in whom we trust for the big, big pieces of faith and life, for eternity and healing, for here and now, and for the day when our citizenship in heaven is revealed in all its glory. All things, all things come from God for which we are truly grateful. Now how do you, how do you turn gratitude on? Flick a switch, it's a gratitude switch, it's on your mountain bike, you turn it on and all of a sudden you're grateful, hey this is great. In the book, Ruthless Trust, Brendan Manning highlights four pieces of, of being grateful that I think take us a couple of steps deeper than just praying a simple prayer before we eat. Four pieces. You may even want to write those down and put them on your mirror as you get ready in the morning and think about them. The first piece is gratefully understanding that trust is inclusive meaning that we're grateful for the cure, but are we grateful for the sickness? Would you be willing to say I'm grateful for the last two years in which we've lived because we trust that God will bring something very, very good out of something very, very painful? Because that's what it means to have inclusive gratitude. Would you be willing to acknowledge God for the painful pieces of your life? Would you be willing to look and say, that moment of time when we were raising our teenagers was really hard, and at the moment we didn't see any benefit to it, but now that they brought us grandkids, we are so happy and so joyful that God would bring something good out of something so painful. Because you don't get grandkids without raising your own kids first. Would you be willing to say that wars and rumors of wars, though painful, are something by which we find a refining spirit and a camaraderie that maybe we don't have when everything is peaceful and good and easy? Gratitude is inclusive. We're grateful for the good things and the bad things. Because in those bad things, God is molding and shaping us after his own will for us. Secondly, gratitude is attentive. It takes work. Would you be willing to walk around your block and give thanks to God for your neighbors or at least some of them? Would you be grateful to God to, to walk around and say, this is fantastic. I don't know if you went out yesterday, but yesterday was probably the best day in the whole world. It was fantastic. 
On the one hand, my wife got our taxes all put together and all good. And on the other hand, I looked and said, ain't it great that we can pay all those taxes and live here in Southern California? This is fantastic. I got on my mountain bike and I rode into Irvine Park yesterday and I looked around and around. I stopped in a spot and I looked at the sky and I go, Klinkenberg, you're going to preach about gratitude. For goodness sakes, be grateful for the beauty of the day. With a little bit of rain, everything is green. The orange California poppies are starting to, 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 to sprout and grow underneath the yellow mustard in Santiago Oaks Park. It's awesome. Would you be willing to flip the switch and be grateful and mindful of the many, many blessings. Grateful for the bobcat that my son and I saw this week. Grateful that we could ride our bikes together and by the power of technology, my e-bike can keep up with young legs. <laughs> Grateful. Gratitude is attentive. Do you look and give attention to those things just around you. I saw a little gopher snake yesterday and I thought, that's the first one of the season. Wait till we see the western rattler. That's all always shake you up. Right? Attentiveness. Grateful for the little things. Turning the switch on in our hearts that allows us to look at the many, many things of life with a sense of gratitude. Perhaps this week we can engage in some of that. Maybe you can keep a little list, whether in your mind's eye or in your desk or on your computer or your phone, and say, you know what, I'm grateful for. Thirdly, gratitude is contagious. We know a little bit about being contagious over the last two years, don't we? We know a little bit about what helps and what doesn't help. I'll tell you the one thing that is absolutely infectious in the best way, and I don't need any issuance from the CDC to say this, gratitude. Gratitude is contagious. And you want to know a little something about our church? We're a pretty grateful bunch. We have a very grateful congregation. I have a basket full of thank you notes in my office beautiful handwritten notes and pastor thank you for pastor thank you for pastor we know it's hard but we want you to know we're praying for you i probably have four or five hundred cards like that we have a congregation that is typically typically very very grateful pastor trevor and i over the last seven weeks and this is the last night have been teaching our new member class and one of the things we talk about is the culture of our church and we talk about that we talk about it as being grateful Kind of gone are the days where people join the church and they say, well, we want to argue about infant baptism. Eh. Or, you know, you Lutherans, all you ever want is more money. I haven't heard that in a long time. What I hear is we're really grateful to be a part of the St. John's community. We're really grateful for the people who pray for us. We're really grateful that when we needed some help, the church was there. That's the contagious gratitude of which I'm speaking not a condescension of, well, I'm so grateful. But calling attention to something means we can be contagiously grateful and thus acknowledge all of our gifts that come from God our Father. And we can infect our families with gratitude. Sometimes the younger generation gets going so fast that we tap them on the shoulder and say, did you see the California poppies by the trail there? What are you talking about? 
So those are the most beautiful flowers you'll ever see. And they only grow here. Really? Yeah. Really? When we begin to have families that are filled with gratitude, it becomes contagious. And conversations begin with, aren't you grateful for? Or ain't it great that we're thankful for? Rather than, I'd really like to have. Gratitude is contagious. And finally, gratitude is theocentric. Our text is kind of ugly in a part of it this morning. Paul writes, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Not so with us. Not so with those Philippian Christians. Matter of fact, when Paul's talking to them, he speaks to them about joy more than he speaks to any other church. Not so with us. Our lives do not revolve around our appetites. Our lives revolve around the love and the goodness of God. And unlike the atheist and the pagan, we know where to turn. We turn to the center, to the middle, to the Lord who provided and loved and redeemed all things, including us as his people. Our lives revolve around the Lord Jesus. Gratitude is theocentric, God-centered. And that's what makes you and me stand apart from the culture. What we can accumulate is easy, but our hearts and our souls pointed to the center of life, which is Jesus. That's where we are, the salt and the light of the earth. I got a number of emails this week, all of which were fantastic, beautiful, positive, affirming, and fantastic in every way. <laughs> and I'm grateful for everyone. Too funny, right? One was from a gentleman who we exchange emails frequently. He said, I love that we're talking about trust. And uh, he said, when I was uh, working through some things in my life, the word of the Lord from Proverbs chapter 3 became something that I held on to when I had a really tough decision to make. That's gratitude, right? Holding on and squeezing that scripture and saying, Lord, I'm grateful for this tough time because we'll never be the same when we've gone through it. It'll be okay. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge the Lord, and He will make your paths straight. Trust, trust, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. The first step to the transformation of trust is following the way of gratitude. A grateful heart and a grateful life in which we are thankful to God for all things. Trust, trust, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.